0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Um, I hope you're enjoying December. I hope you are running around like a chicken with your head cut off, getting ready for Christmas and wrapping everything up for the end of the year and etc, etc., etc. I hope you are not freezing your nubs off out wherever you are. I'm in a place that doesn't get very cold and I'm freezing my nubs off (laughs) because I don't like the cold. Um, but I hope you're enjoying your December, wherever you might be. Uh, today I'm going to talk about why is Christian fiction such garbage? (laughs) I think we all are familiar with the trope or the concept, the low-hanging fruit of a joke that Christian fiction is just, in general, terrible. Um, so that's what I'm going to talk about today. All right, here we go. (laughs) Um, First of all, okay, what do you think of when you think of Christian fiction? A couple of things that comes to my mind. Facing the Giants was a big movie back in, like, 2006 um, about a football player. To be honest, I don't really remember the plot of the story. That just goes to show you that it wasn't that good. At the time, it was like, ooh, this cool Christian movie that's pretty good for a Christian movie. Obviously, not by regular movie standards. (laughs) Um, and then there's, like, God is Not Dead, which I also watched and don't have a lot of memory of what it was about. Uh, it wasn't very memorable and it, I just remember it being a little cringy. Then you have The Shack, That was also another really big novel that I got like three quarters of the way through and quit reading just because I couldn't stand it anymore. Even with things like C.S. Lewis, um, who is a much better narrative storyteller, he's much better at world building than a lot of these other examples, um, he's still very heavy-handed with the allegories. Um, and I'll talk about why I think that is in a little bit. Okay, so if you have examples of Christian fiction that are not subpar to terrible and throw them out right now, um, let me know. I I can't think of any off the top of my head other than maybe like C.S. Lewis. Some people might say Lord of the Rings, I don't know that it's Christian per se. could be considered allegorical in some ways, I suppose. Um, but so why? Why do you think this is? Here are a couple of my thoughts. First, I think <laughs> I think one of the bigger reasons that Christians don't tell good fiction is because we do not consume fiction, especially within Adventism. I'm sure you've been you've been told or grew up being told that you shouldn't read fiction. It's bad for you. It damages your relationship with God. It damages your relationship with reality. It just damages left and right. Bad, bad, bad. Fiction is bad. Basically, all fiction is bad. Don't read it. Don't consume it. Um, so, with, with that attitude, not having, not consuming fiction. I don't know how we can expect to then turn around and go create great fiction. That, um, just seems logical (laughs) that it would be terrible, uh, because we have no frame of reference and no, no, uh, expertise, basically. Um, that's one reason. Okay, another reason I think that Christian fiction is so terrible is because of what I've said so many times on this podcast. The the double standard we have for how we understand reality to work and how we understand God. So, if you understand God in a realm that's separate from your human experience, trying to build a story around uh your idea of God is not going to be relatable or translate into human experience very well. And I think that this is one of the reasons why because it forces you to reconstruct reality in in, in a way that will uh, fit into your idea of Christianity, but it doesn't ring true to actual life um and then there's the also the problem of, taking a point that you want to make and then shoehorning the story in around that, which I think is one of the things that I've heard from the most amount of different people about why Christian fiction is so awful, is because of, instead of telling a story, you're making a point that's shaped like a story. And those are two very different things. So, I think real art, art that's a story, tells something that's true about life on a deeper level that the events in the story may not have actually happened and they're not true in that sense, but they portray something believable that ends up reflecting the reality of existence. Um, so this brings me back to kind of my, my point about C.S. Lewis. Like, even an allegory like that, like the Chronicles of Narnia, is more focused, I think it's more focused on philosophical allegory than telling a truth about life. Um, it's very constructed, intentionally constructed to say something, um, to illustrate something, or to make an analogy. And for illustration, an analogy is really, really useful. Um, I've used some of C.S. Lewis's analogies or allegories in other episodes of this podcast, and I think for conveying a philosophical or theological point, C.S. Lewis uses fiction decently well. But it's not deeply art in the way that really resonates with our human experience, like a lot of other literature does, like a lot of the Russian authors, um, Shakespeare even. Okay. So, uh, those are kind of the reasons why I think, I think, uh, Christian fiction is not very good. Also, Ellen White says don't read (laughs) fiction, which is something that I've been cited many times in my life. Ellen White says don't do it, so don't do it. That's the end. Don't think about why she said that. Don't think about an underlying principle or any kind of, Um, you know, people love to cite the whole bicycle thing of, like, Ellen White said not to buy a bicycle, but, you know, but she didn't just mean across the, a blanket, don't buy a bicycle ever. She was saying, don't spend the extra money, blah, 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 and people can parse that and understand the principle there, but somehow when it comes to fiction, we're not able to parse and understand the principle, um, from what I've read of what Ellen White has to say about it. She talks about the, the escapism of some forms of fiction, which is a legitimate thing, which I also don't think is particularly useful, but there is a very big difference between literature and, like, say, for example, Fifty Shades of Grey, which is just escapism, a way to escape life, um, not face life. Real literature, real art in storytelling and fiction forces you to face life, not escape from it. (laughs) Like, you don't sit down and read Anna Karenina to escape life. Let me tell you that right now. So, even secular literature really, really makes you think. Um, it gives you an experience with- through the story that brings something to your life, uh, like Anna Karenina. (laughs) I've started reading and I haven't finished it, but I'm a decent chunk of the way in, maybe like a third of the way in. Um, and it's such a famous book because you don't, you don't read it to escape. It's a, it's a pretty heavy uh, material. You have to wrestle through the moral dilemmas that are being worked through by the author through the characters and you can see because they're realistic characters you can see the perspective of each one of them and the tensions and the uh the the morality of it the interpersonal stuff and um it really makes you reflect on things just uh, at a very very macro philosophical level and then, on a personal level of seeing parallels with relationships in your own life, I mean, not that everyone is, like, going around cheating on every one of <laughs> like, is happening in Anna Karenina, but, you know, it speaks, like I was saying, the the facts or the the events of the story, even if they aren't one for one with actual events doesn't mean they're not telling something true about life within them that's applicable across lives and experiences. Um, so there's a difference between good and useful fiction and garbage fiction, like I said before, trash fiction <laughs> versus literature, like for example, Fifty Shades of Grey. I have not personally read this series, but the author comes from the fan fiction world, which I am fairly familiar with, and this realm is actually the definition of escapism that I think Ellen White was <laughs> probably alluding to. Um, It's not art. It's mostly just carrying out a fantasy. Um, it doesn't really make you reflect on anything, and it doesn't really have a deeper transcendent truth within it. It's just, um, taking characters and playing out fantasies with them, and that I can see a case where <laughs> that's more more hurtful than helpful. Now, but then on the other hand, too, um, my experience kind of in the fan fiction realm is if you're practicing the skill of writing for the purpose of taking a world that's already created from a tv show or a book or something else you have the voices of the characters and you're just practicing the craft of speaking in different voices through characters and writing um in a certain tone and things like that for that purpose like specking in screenwriting, they call it specking. If you take an existing TV show, for example, like if you write an episode of Friends and you speck an episode of Friends, you're writing with those characters in that world, um, so you don't have to create them all from scratch, which, okay, there's, there's a usefulness in that, and I did that in college and have done that several different times, and it has its purpose, but generally speaking, (laughs) That stuff is not particularly literature. <laughs> okay, so you have you have the kind of escapist fiction that doesn't really help anyone, but at least you get enjoyment out of it. With Christian fiction, not only does it not tell any transcendent truth, you also don't get any enjoyment out of it. You just cringe your head off the whole time. You're just in misery. Okay, the, when fiction becomes art to me is when you have to work through those emotions, those relationships, the philosophy, the morality by proxy through characters. And sometimes I think meta-assessment um, or a removed look at something can reveal it more clearly to you than you could ever see it directly head-on in your own life. Like it's a way to sort of take a step back Um, that's why they call a third-person narrated story with an omniscient narrator, (laughs) an omniscient narrator, because you can see everything. You can see the whole world, you can see the things that the characters can't see, and you can get a very macro picture, um, while still relating to the characters, and it can help you to see things that, in your own life, you have too much of a myopic view to see. And then the other thing, too, is, like, Jesus told fictional stories. Um, he told, like, parables and things like that. (laughs) The rich man and Lazarus, that's a fictional story. Um, so I don't think there's much of a case that all fiction is bad. Certainly, they're like anything. Literally, food which you need to live can be bad if it's used in the wrong way. Music it can be used in the wrong way. Words can be used in the wrong way. Actions can be used in the wrong... Anything can be used in the wrong way, and that applies to fiction too, but just a blanket statement, which has been such a... The, has been such a prevalent attitude in Adventism to say that all fiction is bad because, I don't know, I, it's basically tantamount to lies, I guess, um is not true and it will continue to force us to end up creating terrible christian fiction if we continue to subscribe to that so now that i've told you kind of why i think christian fiction is bad and what makes good fiction good um we could kind of see how we could improve christian fiction and by that i mean stop writing christian fiction because by definition when you say christian fiction you're kind of admitting one of the points that I was saying, which is you're coming to it with a a point that you're trying to make, something Christian, and then telling a story with that end, rather than just simply, you know, real good fiction just tells stories within reality, within life, that don't have to be Christian or not Christian, but also don't have to oppose the philosophies of Christianity. That's why I feel like the great controversy in the way that I've under- come to understand Christianity is so compelling is because it it's so parallel and coincides so well with the reality that we live in that if you start telling stories within that understanding of reality, they're going to inherently be within Christian philosophy without you having to go and make a point about if you trust God all things will work out. If you lose your hen and you pray your hen might come back or something. I don't know. Whatever Christian stories end up telling. The point is if you have, if you don't separate your philosophy of, of the world that we live in and the reality that we experience every day, if you don't separate that from how you understand God, the fiction that you construct will inherently be Christian. And I'm not even saying like it has to be realistic in the sense that um, you can't tell science fiction or you can't tell uh, fantasy or you can't tell any number of unrealistic scenarios. uh, Because like I said before, the point of fiction is not to have events that actually happen. The point is to say something that coincides or that meshes and is relatable and resonates with our experience um and Christian fiction because of how I think we've separated uh God and reality is opposed to resonating with our experience um so that's the first step is just tell real stories about real reality um and not to escape, but to grapple with those realities, and I think you'll come out with some really good Christian fiction, like which a lot of like War and Peace and the Car- Brothers Karamazov and Doctor Zhivago. A lot of those Russian authors have almost Christian themes coming through. Okay, so now I'm going to recommend to you some fiction that you might enjoy hopefully you've read some or most of these or all of these if you're an excellent um (laughs) bad adventist uh and if you haven't read any of them then you have been a very good adventist but now you can start to see the wonderful world that unfolds to you to better understand life when you consume good fiction first i would recommend the count of monte cristo This is a beast of a book. It's like 12 or 1400 pages, which I read in like three or four days. Um, It's not only really exciting, full of adventure, fun, entertaining, but also it's a revenge story. It deals with morality. It deals with um, ethics and relationships and things like that, Um, and even though it is highly entertaining, it does uh, force you to think of the, uh, of, of serious philosophical themes. Okay, 1984, of course, we've all had this on our reading list in high school and college. How many of us have actually read it? I don't know. I didn't personally read it till well after college, because who actually reads reading lists? Come on. Um, which I guess means you're not going to read this reading list. But 1984 is a projected possible future. Um, so it's not realistic in the sense that it, none of this has happened and it may never happen and hopefully won't. Um, but it still is trying to honestly portray how we might have to navigate that as humans, a situation like an authoritarian society that Winston, the main character, struggles through to find his personal identity in a place where you almost can't have a personal identity because you have no space for it. Um, it's very interesting. And I literally spent like three solid weeks just thinking about what it, <laughs> just thinking after I read that book. Okay. Um, now for just some fun, fun stuff. Cause I, it's me. Of course, I'm going to have to throw in some comedy. Shakespeare's Much Ado It About Nothing is a must read. You have to read it. Um, even though it makes, it makes me depressed almost how, even though the language is super old-timey and the humor or the, the words that they use are not immediately understandable to us, the humor, the comedy of it still transcends time and space and imagination. (laughs) Like, this is the, the dialogue between Benedict and Beatrice in Much Ado About Nothing is like, peak, it's my, ideal standard. I don't know if anybody could reach it again. It's, uh, it's amazing to behold. Okay. And then even something like, that's not exactly what you would call literature. Maybe you could, some people would call it a- escapism. Um, but something like Gone Girl, I think is more like an interesting satire <laughs> on relationships. Um, it is very gory and sort of adult themed. So, uh, if you don't like that kind of thing, don't read it back I have to come back and mention Anna Karenina I haven't finished it but oh my goodness it's an emotional roller coaster (laughs) and it will make you have some serious thoughts um I would also recommend Pygmalion which if you've seen the movie My Fair Lady with Audrey Hepburn that musical was based on the play by George Bernard Shaw um and it has a really really good uh, really adept um, looks at the inter- the interplay between classes, the interplay between the sexes, um, generational uh, relationship. It's just it's hilarious too. It's a really good book or play. Uh, the importance of being earnest by who wrote that uh, Oscar Wilde um, is just really, really funny. <laughs> Pride and Prejudice. I hope you've all read this book, but if you haven't, you need to. It's probably one of less than five books that I've read more than once. And then last but not least, I recommend The Scarlet Pimpernel. It's a really, <laughs> really good book. Okay, you might say, oh, these books are escapism too, uh, because i Ellen uh, White. Well, you're wrong. Just read them. <laughs> uh, all right. Tell me what books you like, what fiction you enjoy, what you had been told growing up about fiction, if you were uh, scared off from it or warned about it, if you read a lot of it, if you still feel guilty reading it or watching it or consuming it, however you consume it. What are your thoughts on Christian fiction is it as terrible as I think it is? Is there hope for it? Should we just do away with the classification of Christian fiction? Let me know all your thoughts on all these things. This is a really uh, topic that I could talk about for a long time. Okay, you can find me with your comments, AdventistMillennial at gmail.com. Um, you could also message me on Facebook or Instagram at SDA Millennial. And I hope you all have a good weekend reading lots of fiction that makes you think about life. Okay, bye.